Welcome to the Will Squared Recorded Sit-Down Sessions. Two wills, one message, live a good life. We discuss things fortnightly, listen if you want. Big willies. I'm here with Will Agenbach, and today we're talking about problems in university, their root causes, how you can avoid them. Avoid them and hopefully, given that the majority of these problems are of an institutional variety, solutions, how we can overcome them. I was thinking we'd begin from the beginning about what the concept of university is and why why we go to it. Why do we bother? Why do we bother when there's just as many high-paying, unskilled jobs in the labour market? Why? Why university? And I suppose I'd like to start with a question, and that would be, what were you told as a student in high school mm. in VC? What were you told your future would depend on? Getting that piece of paper. Getting that piece of paper. Our entire future was pinned on a piece of paper we didn't really want, didn't fully understand, to get a job that we didn't know existed. To be a contributing member of society and continue that narrative of getting the job, raising the family, retiring, dying. <laughs> And university is the is just the next step in that stage. <laughs> That's the concept, but we were sold on it. And the ATAR system is this tunnel vision blinding goal that I think, uh, and tell me from your own experiences, that prevents high school students from seeing the truth. They focus on their ATAR, they focus on studying for it, and they don't see if university is right for them, if the job market is right for university graduates. They're not looking beyond the conclusion of year 12. By the time you realize that, it's too late. Way too late. You're set. <laughs> you're done. You're already a year into your degree. Yeah. And you realize, oh crap, this is it. Yeah. For another few years and, and hex debt, etc., the problems rack up. I'm friends with a lot of people out where, where I live, which is disadvantageous for uni students. And a good friend of my brother's was doing criminology at La Trobe. And he wanted to get into the law department, like Border Force. One of the pathways was criminology. It would save him two years as opposed to just going through the regular police academy. Mm. He hated it so much, he dropped out week three. Wow. Because the content was much harder than his career counsellors and the high schools had advocated and planned for and he was just ruined by the whole culture of this university that doesn't really promote genuine success, I would say. No, it's superficial. Yes, it's the it's the grades, it's the extracurricular activities that don't build your career, <laughs> it's the union marches, it's the activities and undertakings that blind you to the opportunities, whether they be social or academic or, or industry related. So, it begins with the ATAR, I think. It begins with narrowing our students' vision, begins with putting a lot of pressure on our students and our, and our young people to perform academically as opposed to being a more rounded person. Obviously, can't speak on behalf of of everyone but the majority of my school we had 350 year 12 students 260 of them were in vc only half of them did the things that our parents generation would have been doing at the same time mm. only a fraction of them had jobs only a fraction of them were in sporting clubs a minority of them were in leadership positions helping out the community but everyone was just deadly focused with this steely-eyed determination to get a number yeah which as we just discussed is completely anticlimactic anticlimactic and also delusionary it is it's this mystified mythical thing it's a package they have to sell but who are they selling it on behalf the unis the unis it has to be the unis everyone successfully gets their ATAR unless you drop out of year 12 it may not be the number you want but generally the unis accept you right you, you do get generally, it generally yes. generally there will always be a university to catch you 
the application process for American universities is totally different to Australian universities. Mm. In that Australian universities, you don't have to write an entry essay. You don't have you just get the score. <laughs> That's it. And then you're done. Whereas American universities, you have to physically write an essay answering why do you want to come here? Yeah. And okay. in, in doing so, you actually find out why you want to go. Yeah. It serves as a double purpose because you might find out it's not for you in doing so. Or you might find out more about why it's good for you. Because that doesn't happen here, people will just get the ATAR and they do their course. They don't actually go in knowing that they want to do it or knowing more about why they want to do it. For sure. And that gives them that purpose every time they get knocked down by an exam score or, yeah. or, or they're not blinded to things. They know why they're there. Because then you have no motivation to study. You don't have any motivation to go to class. I know I've been in that position where I, I've felt confident going into first semester, keen to go to class. I go to class and then it's just crap. It's <laughs> yeah. just boring. The problem being that they pad it out. They'll take a concept that literally takes five minutes to learn. Yeah. And give it to you over one week. Yeah, fill it out with nonsense information. If you're anyone who learns easily, which most people do if you've graduated high school, then that's really boring. Yeah. And so I've had to resort to watching YouTube videos <laughs> as a more effective form of actually learning the content because it's so padded out and it's so so simple yet they take so long to explain it i think we're beyond the point of complaining about university though you know saying oh well it'd be better if it was this we're beyond that it's more making the most of it of what you've actually got how do i make the most of the opportunities while i'm here look it's not as good as i thought it would be which i think most people experience is that anti-climax they hype it up and they get there and it's not what they expected Less about, oh, I wish it was this. Because if you keep saying that, you're not going to get anything done. You're just going to be wishing. It's like the if-then the if if then then, psychology. That's it. Yeah. So, that's not good. That begs the question, what is the larger picture for a university student? I, mean, I don't think anyone in university knows their larger goal. Some people have a clue of the path they want to go down, but no one has a sense of a specific goal. You know, I want to be in this spot, in this place, in this time. I think that goal evolves over time. I don't think you necessarily get there ever. No, you, you land somewhere close if you're... Uh... But also, it, it's ever-changing. So, I don't think you ever get there because your mindset will always be evolving. So, it's good to have a vision, but like we were talking before, not to be too tunnel vision yeah. and block out everything that's in the present moment. Well, there will be something that will arise to you that would be important towards your goal had you not focused so much on the end result. Because often at times, the end result is <laughs> it's done. It's like the ATAR, right? What I missed the most was the process of getting the ATAR. If, if anything, <laughs> yes. your, your mates, you know, yeah. the, the fun that you were having at school, mm. the studying, the learning that's more fun than actually getting the ATAR. And I think that's what people fail to see is that it's about the process. It's not even about the goal. It's actually about the process because that's where you change the most is when you're learning. When you get there, you'll be there. <laughs> learning is incremental. It is. When you get to your goal, it's not as if you'll see a massive change when you get to your goal. You would have changed incrementally before that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great piece of wisdom i think a lot of people ignore that possibly because they have that tunnel vision on the end goal but possibly because i think they don't want to let go they enjoy the process they enjoy the journey so much that they don't want to leave the past journey if that makes sense mm, the hanging on 
Yes. And I think for a lot of people, that's why university, it, it treats them too well in a way, if that makes sense. Compared to what they know will be far more challenging and that is basically adult life. The corporate world yes. when they enter it. Yeah, the thing that they were planning for years ago and it's it's about to hit you and you just can't, you can't bear with it. You can't bear to let go of the fun you've had at university, the good times you've had, taxpayer subsidized existence. <laughs> it's, it's really great and cruising for half of our cohort. The other half don't live on campus and uh, have lots of work outside of university it's a different story and I suppose that's because those people represent the group of people that are present that accept the employment opportunities when they come that accept the opportunities outside of university and within and realize that things are constantly changing and it's good to have a balanced life as well naturally yeah we we try to but it's a difficult age to have that I think to find the the balance because the balance itself yes. is is a perception within your own mind and as you just mentioned that's constantly changing yeah and like we we're saying with letting go People see it more as an end as opposed to a transition. Yeah, it's like this part of my life is just a chapter I've put in the book and it's gone forever. It will never come back. It, it's not natural, I don't think. It's it's not an evolution. It's, it's, it's like you're stacking bricks. And I think it all comes back to that mentality of I have to do this. I've just got to do this. <laughs> and, they can't, and they can't link it to the bigger goal. Yeah. Because if you link it to the bigger goal, then you'll understand where it fits in to your life. Mm. And you won't see it as this end. It's the inability to link it to the bigger picture is the reason why people compartmentalize yes. that. They treat it as the end. That's it. It's done. Well, no, it's a transition. You're transitioning from high school to a bigger sphere. And I like what you said just before about people feel like they have to do it. I think that is one of the biggest problems about our university system. And it plays into a lot of the cascading issues. If people feel like they have to do it, then all of a sudden you've got an excess of people in the labor market with, with graduate degree, which drives down the price of that labor itself and leaves heaps of people unemployed and redundant. Just because high schools, career counselors and university propaganda say you have to. And they're probably not even going to be good at the job anyway because they don't want to do it. Exactly. Discouraged by the fact that there are so many people in the same degree that are better than them. The people who actually wanted to do it as opposed to found out the hard way that they didn't want to do it and didn't have the insight to speak up about it and to say, this is not what I want to do. I want to do something else. They mm. kind of just swept it under the rug because their parents or society tells them that they have to do it for fear of being rejected or yeah. judged or and a lot of judgment like I, I i know for a fact it's much easier to say that you're a student than unemployed they're virtually the same thing and honestly i can imagine there'd be thousands of students right now doing it just for that reason to get their parents off their back to get society off their back so that they can feel some part in themselves that they're contributing somehow they feel okay they feel okay or they can at least cover up their anxiety about everything and absolve the guilt of whatever a great Great example, in fact, is our good friend Ryan. At, at his institution, law is a big school, too big, one might say, and most of the people in there, he, he believes, eight out of nine are just there because they feel they have to be there. And then you get to year three of your four-year degree in law and realize that employers in the law industry are only employing one in 20 law graduates now. There's too many. Wow. And Ryan, who wanted to do law, felt no pressure from anyone else to do law and took the opportunities to pick up work along the journey and, and continue his, his lifestyle, is cruising. And all his friends are now begging him to get jobs because mm. uh, first, they don't want to be there. They feel like they have to. And now it's come to crunch time. It's even more pressure. If you could fix it, I know we mentioned it's probably beyond that, but it's possibly the, the, the pressure that universities put out to get into university. Like if there was less of that and people saw opportunities in, say, starting your own business, be it a corner store or, or even like a lemonade stand. And also people compartmentalize things. 
For example, I quite enjoy music and acting and theatre. I did a lot of it in high school. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I'm studying something like engineering, which is not commonly thought of no. something that would involve those kind of aspects Perceived of- as the uh, polar opposite, in fact. Yes. I'm also studying business as well. Hmm. So, instead of compartmentalizing it and going- Either or, I could either be an actor or I could either be <laughs> an engineer or a, or a manager. I thought about it in terms of what I enjoy. I enjoy performing in front of people. I enjoy speaking to people. I enjoy being funny. So I thought, well, how does that link to business and engineering? And I thought that I'd be very good at trying to sell things. So actually being, <laughs> yeah, being a, a sales manager. So doing that allowed me to harmonize everything that I was doing. Mm as opposed to seeing it as polar opposite. And it allows me to bring my own unique spin to it. Mm. And I think that ties in what you were saying in terms of all these graduate students who realize they hate law. It might not be the fact that they hate law. It's just they don't see how they're going to put their uniqueness into yes. it. They can't harmonize their own unique skills, talents, dreams, and goals with what they feel like they've been forced to do. Yes. Yeah. What you have done is really, really incredible. You've really adopted this concept of the Renaissance man, which everyone should. Everyone feels like now that you need to specialize, that you need to devote all your resources and efforts in one thing. Not now that AI is coming. Because all those jobs that people specialize in, like mathematicians, engineers, it will all replace those jobs. Easily. Now more than ever, we need to figure out how we're going to differentiate ourselves from computers. And the way we do that is by answering the questions that computers can't. The deep philosophical questions, the deep ethical questions. We are beyond asking the scientific, can we? Mm. And we've entered into this ethical realm of asking, should we? Or how should we? Mm. It's that parallel thinking and the flexible thinking. Yes. You're spot on. That is a great concept that we should be asking ourselves, how do we... How do we specialize ourselves away from computers? How do we make ourselves well-rounded? It's almost like the human race has to step away from empirical and into Mm. esoteric. Yes. Into the area, that abstract area that you just mentioned where computers don't operate well. Back in the past, people used to specialize because you'd have to. Knowledge was not widely available to the public. So Mm. you depended on a couple of people to be very knowledgeable in one area Mm. because you depend on your mind to be that source of information. Yes. Whereas now we've got the internet, we've we've got technology. You can whip out Google. If you don't know something, ask Google. <laughs> exactly. It's incredible to think though. That almost makes the present system of universities redundant. Essentially. It, it kills a lot of people as well. I mean, you think about the majority of the existing workforce. Uh, they're all specialized. They're, they're all, they've got these unique niches that, yeah, as you say, any computer could quickly outdo them in. At least five years' time, most most of the jobs will be automated and they'll literally be redundant. So, I guess that begs another question. I think you're right. I think that is the future becoming more more generalists. Do universities, given their present state, do they play a role in that? Well, I think it's important, like I said, to have something as a anchor. That's your degree. Your degree is the anchor. And from that, you grow from there. So, you add bits and pieces to it. Like I said, I'm doing engineering and business. Yes. And I've added my enjoyment of acting and performing to that. So they don't, they don't become redundant unless you choose to make them redundant. They're good because they serve as that starting point. That foundation. Yes. Right. No, that's, that's a good way to think about it. Foundational knowledge. And then it should be really their responsibility from there to encourage you to add to it in a variety of ways. There definitely should be more encouragement to making the most of your degree. I don't think anyone takes responsibility enough to say to people, enjoy 
your degree, enjoy the learning. No one really says it. It's just so transactional. Everyone goes to class yeah, and you go home and repeat and for four years of your life. <laughs> and no one, yeah, like no one tells you what's going on. No one tells you that, look, this is this is what you make of it. The education, it's the base. The, the degree is the foundation. It's not the top. And I think if we see it like that, it's the starting point, mm. then you're going to be so much more dedicated to your education as opposed to saying, oh, this is it. I've got no room to, to improve. improve. Yeah. You're not going to do anything. Whereas if you see it as the base, <laughs> you'll be unstoppable. You'll just have the motivation to improve mm. and learn better. Yeah, it's probably not a good uh, focus group, the two of us, because <laughs> we agree on this concept. But I'll put it, I'll spin it to you another way. This is a perspective from uh, another friend of mine in Tassie. And what they're doing in Tassie is quite interesting. And they agree with this generalist idea. However, the way they're doing it, I think, is something most universities will adopt, but it's the incorrect path. They are forcing breadth subjects. They're forcing you to do an arts degree beforehand. All the while, they're never preaching that that's the baseline. And this is what I fear. I don't think universities will ever escape the trap of being money-grabbing institutions. They're a business. They are. A non-for-profit business, but they have to make money nonetheless. I think the non-for-profit concept is temporary. It will be inevitable that Australian universities become privatized. It's just not feasible to fund them. For much longer. I mean, the American universities are already going down that path. They're highly successful because they're private, because they have that necessity and dependency on providing great outcomes for their students. Because we don't have that in Australia, we have this confusing mix. And we've had this discussion before where half of it's subsidized and that's all cool, but then they charge the students and they want to keep charging the students extra, more than the students can afford, more than the students need to pay. Yes. Under the guise and under the facade of doing what we hope they would do and make a more general... Well-rounded. ...person. But it's not. It's no. it's not working that way. No. So, I guess some people have taken advantage of that as yeah. well. It's, which is... You can't win, can you? you? You can't... No. You can't win. And comes back to everything we've been learning, even what you've briefly mentioned today, and it comes down to the individual in the journey, in the present. The university can't help you. They're interested in stealing everything from your, your wallet. You need to depend on yourself to pursue the opportunities that come by and succeed the way that you want to succeed. Or at least know that they can only get you so far. Yeah. That they're just the, that's just the base point. And you're paying them to give you an education. Think about it that way. You're paying them mm. to give you an education. So make the most of it. You're effectively spending $130 a day to learn, to go to university. Now, if you were paying someone else $130 a day to learn something, you'd be pretty pissed off if you heard that they were not going. <laughs> right? If you're yeah. paying someone $130 a day, that's... That's a lot of money. Right? That's $8,000 a semester. Yeah. If we count 60 days as a normal semester length, you'd be pretty pissed off. So why should you treat yourself in the same way? Spot on. It's a great analogy you've constructed there that I think would change the minds of most university students. I think most university students think they're paying for the lifestyle and think they're paying for the amenities and, and, and paying for their perceived independence if they live on campus, etc. And they forget they're paying for the education. And it's much harder for them to realize that until you give them a story like that. $130 you're putting in the pockets of a, of a non-existent phantom tutor that's meant to be giving you an education. Yeah, for sure. What we've just discovered, I believe, is that the future, as you've just proposed, is in being a general well-rounded person where your first degree is the basis upon which you add more things to your toolkit. That is the future. I think we should all be aspiring to that. I think ATA, in coordination with universities 
and the government are a massive roadblock to that process. Definitely. As we discussed with Tunnel Vision, but I think more importantly, universities themselves, I believe, are enacting perhaps one of the greatest deceptions in Australian history. And I'll elaborate on this. You and I both have a bit of experience with this. I mean, our particular university isn't as bad as others, but there are groups in universities, as you know. There are elections. There is a highly political fueled agenda. There are all these confusing isms everywhere that try to divide us and make us fight within, within ourselves and amongst each other. And I've asked myself, universities, what was the, what, why did we start universities? I think the doctrine of the United States Education Department has the best answer, and that is to improve the caliber of the citizens of our country. In a, in a, in a thousand pages, it's literally just to improve the standard of living of our people through education and to improve the standard of character of our people. Yeah. Universities don't have that obligation anymore in Australia. You're a dollar sign. And a dollar sign plus government money equals double win to them. So every dollar they can squeeze out of you is a dollar they shouldn't have gotten, really. It would be an incentive to them to improve you and to care more about you if what you were going to do would impact them more directly. They, they're getting enough money already, so they don't really care about, about that. They're happy. Because them and ATAR have coordinated together and created a culture of you must go to university. They've got an endless deal flow. Yeah. They don't have to try. Everyone comes no. in. Rules of statistics. Yeah. That's it. You win, right? And I have often found it curious why when everyone gets to the workforce and there's mass redundancies, like even recently with the banking commission, thousands of jobs throughout the banks getting wiped, most of them degree holders, and most people struggling to find jobs. Why aren't the university students asking the universities why? Why Why can't I find a job? Wasn't it your responsibility to train me with industry-related skills to get me into the workforce? No one asked that question. It's too late by then. Even if it is too late, this is where it goes back to why do universities promote political agendas within their university that would otherwise be unconstructive to the intellectual mission of humanity. Back in the Greek philosophers, time of the Greek philosophers, even throughout the Roman Senate, all throughout history, the greatest areas of academic interest have been divorced from politics, completely independent realms of thought. Now they're not. And I think no. they've done this as a scapegoat. They fill all our university graduates with, this, with these concepts that it's not the university's fault, it's not your fault, it's the capitalist patriarchy that has stopped you from getting a job. So people see it as an end. Yes. So they put that to bed. Just as we've discussed. Exactly. Not a transition. Not a transition. So their past has been great, fun, parties, all this great time. Nothing to do, do doesn't have anything to do with the present. I wonder why my ATAR's so bad. Why did I get a 30 <laughs> ATAR? Hmm, maybe it was the fact that I went out and partied so much while I was in VC and never studied. Oh, no. No, no, it can't be that. It no. is the corrupt government system. That's right. Yeah. So I, th this is my theory about universities in Australia. Because of government subsidies, they have no interest in your ultimate dream. No interest at all. They're just happy to churn you out like an effing beef slaughterhouse, right? Because that they want to make sure to cover themselves with scapegoats, they fill us with these political ideas that it's not their fault, it's not your fault, it's everyone else's fault. So when you actually hit the beaches of Normandy of the corporate sector and get slaughtered, it's the corporate yeah. sector. Who, who's accountable? No one's accountable. No one's accountable. Then that plays into a lot of Australia's culture. We have this tall poppy syndrome. Because no one succeeded, we don't want anyone else to succeed because the system is... We're a resentful. Resentful. Resentful, bitter, misguided. And I think ultimately... It's not just universities, obviously, but they do have a role to play. So, what then would you suggest to people, given that's the situation? How do we how do we approach it differently? 
How can we improve the situation? To answer that question, I suppose we have to assume that we can't do any massive, massive instrumental changes. Like we can't change our education system. We can't, you know, change society's culture immediately. So it comes down to the individual and how they interpret the situation. I would say the vast majority of students are confused at the end of year 12. And I would advocate to those students to honestly take a gap year where you're employed in some capacity. A paid internship, if you will. Yeah. They're available all throughout the country, rural Victoria, rural Australia. I encourage you to do that. Move out of home, find some independence, get a public service job. I'm not joking. Yeah. Either that or perhaps even joining the Defence Force. There are heaps of opportunities for you. And that is assuming you haven't found what you love in life. Or you take the time to reconsider why you would bother with anything else. Ask yourself these questions in year 12. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's hard. so hard as a 16-year-old. To have these sorts of insights. We're sitting here in our ivory towers. (laughs) Certainly. As 21-year-olds who have kind of experienced this already. So, it's quite hard to tell young kids, oh, be more insightful, be more wise. Yeah, it's it's unfair. I I would say let them go through the process of the ATA. Let them feel that sort of anticlimactic disappointment. Let them get a taste of that so we can say, this is what the conclusion of Mm. all your exam periods in university are going to feel like. This is probably what getting your degree is going to feel like. It's probably what getting your first job is going to feel like. Exactly. It's all going to be dissatisfying. I think that's because people hype it up too much. Yeah. Reality's not that cool. (laughs) It's really not. And I think people need that. I'm not, I'm not advocating that we protect people and get them to be okay and happy Mm because I think it's, it's necessary to feel that kind of pain. My suggestion and pretty much answering myself (laughs) and asking what people can do is, is not see things as absolute ends. When you Mm. finish high school, it's not the end. And when you finish university, it's not the end. Nothing is the end. Death is the only real end. Even then, if you... <laughs> well, if you believe in the afterlife, I mean, that's... But again, that's another problem in itself because I feel yeah. like believing in if there's something after uh, devalues the current situation. And you and again, mm. you experience the same thing that I was talking about in university because you're so focused on the end goal. Yes. You, you neglect the current situation. So it all comes back to not seeing things as absolute ends but more as transitions and that everything you do now will impact your goal in the future. Don't see them as discrete absolutes that they're mutually exclusive from each other. The present, the past, the future, they're all interlinked. The past you learn from, the present you use to take opportunities that will then bring you to the future and the future because it gives you that motivation, that goal, that vision, that ideal that you want to aspire to. No, very good call. Yeah, I think if, if people are up to understanding that, for sure, they should take that on board. The fear I have, though, is, as, as you mentioned, 16-year-olds, year 12s. It's hard to implement change when you haven't felt it yourself. Yes, I think it's important. Not that we necessarily tell them not to experience pain, but more how to. So and how to deal with it. How to deal with it. So, yeah. you know, you've gone through the stresses. All right, I know, it's crap. Welcome, welcome to the club. <laughs> I felt the same way as you did, all right? But you can go two ways. You can either be resentful and have that tall poppy syndrome like most people do, mm. or you can, you can harness that and say, okay, this is my situation. This is what happened to me. Let's see the good and the bad. Yes. Yeah, and act on those accordingly. Like, Well, I'm not saying change the education system, but at least take some accountability that what you do now is going to affect you in the future. And the only thing you can have control over is your actions. So make sure that they're in line with what you want to do and be true to yourself. Sure. It sounds so simple. (laughs) It's asking for a lot. And that's the thing. That's the answer. As soon as you want to change and want to improve where you want to go, that's all you have to do. That's the first step, showing up, wanting to wanting to improve. For now, I guess let's summarize where we, where we, what we've done here. So we've concluded that some of the biggest problems for university students are the tunnel vision associated with 
seeing it all as definitive ends. The ATAR. First, you got the ATAR. Yep. People have tunnel vision because of that. Yep. They are closed-minded because of that, because that's all they see. Yeah. They enter university still with that closed mindset. Yep. But at the same time, are being exposed to a wider sphere, mm. which demands a more open mindset. Yes. Then they are let down because they've hyped up uni life in in high school and are let down by the current education that they're receiving. You can go two ways from there. You can either be resentful and carry on life and sweep it under the rug like most of your friends, legal students. Classmates, yeah, the whole cohort pretty much. Or you can go the other way and say, I'm paying $130 a day for this education. Would I be okay if I was paying someone $130 and they're doing the same things I'm doing now? And if you're not okay with that, then it's time to... It's time to change. It's time to take a more proactive approach to yes. your studies and take it in your own hands and be accountable. Universities are a large part to blame for the reputation and the ideal that they've created around receiving you receiving a bachelor degree as a necessary mm. step in getting jobs. And I think that's true to some extent, but only in the technology space. If you want to do STEM, university makes sense. If you want to do anything else, you're better off learning yourself and not wasting the money in getting a piece of paper. You're better off spending money legitimately yes. changing something. I agree. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Like universities definitely do teach STEM better than you could teach it yourself. Yes. That's a fact. They've got the resources, they've got the labs necessary to do the practical work. So yes, you need it. And then of course, as you just mentioned, the reputation the production of this false guarantee of employment if you do a degree that's probably misguided people and then the outcome of that compartmentalizing university putting it aside and then bang problems problems in the real world and that manifests into tall poppy syndrome among other things and more bitterness and more resentfulness so it's a, it's a story of two people as you've as you mentioned before essentially you can overcome any challenge that's come that comes your way in the ATAR or in university if you just change your mindset of how to get around them. And they tend to be the people that succeed in the world. Just become a generalist. Yes. Have one thing that you're better at than most people. Yeah. And then use that as a base. Like I said, build on that. To grow from. That's like your fertile plane. And it's a soil. And then you, and you, you grow your garden around that. Awesome. This, time, this one goes out to all the big women.